Well, hey, man, I'm so glad to welcome you to the downtown campus of Compassion Christian Church. This is something we've been praying about for 25 years. We started our downtown campus 14 years ago. You know, we'd always hoped we would have a presence downtown. Uh, when we started what we call late church back in the day, man, we went into the Savannah Theater. Man, we began to reach students from all over the world, downtown residents, it's been awesome. We launched a huge homeless ministry out of our downtown campus. God has worked in so many ways through this downtown effort, even though for the last 14 years, we have literally been packing in and packing out every weekend. Here's the good news. Last fall, this property became available and we were able to purchase this because of your generosity at our seat at the table offering. And we took up a Christmas offering. You guys gave $2.8 million in 26 days. It was unbelievable. And so the generosity of our church now has overflown into this facility that we own and friends that we're now gonna develop as our downtown campus. This place is awesome. It is wide open on the inside, like a blank palette that we'll be able to use to design for amazing worship, amazing children's space. We'll have a downtown presence, you know, every day of the week, which we've never had with our downtown campus. Over there are 5,000 SCAD dorm rooms within three blocks of this place. Railroad Museum right there, one of the premier elementary schools, literally next door. We could not have found a more strategic piece of property for us to put a kingdom outpost in downtown Savannah than this property right here. God held it for us. He provided it for us. Your generosity is enabling us to go forward with this project. Our prayer is by the end of our seat at the table offering next Christmas, that we will be able to operationalize this campus with no debt at all. My friends, if that happens, it will be a miracle and I believe it's gonna happen because God is at work in this project. Man, construction is underway. Thank the Lord. Amen. We got construction underway on the downtown campus. And uh, man, I cannot wait to see what God is going to do there. Uh, I want to thank everybody for coming to worship today. Man, we're so glad. I want to send my love out to everybody on all of our campuses. Those of you who are watching online, uh, man, welcome, welcome, welcome to our services today. I'm super excited because we're launching a new series of messages today because school is back in and everybody is home from vacation and back at school. Yeah. Yeah, curb your enthusiasm, will you, please? Uh, we also have a lot of new people with us today because you know what? You moved into our community this summer and maybe the military brought you in here, a business brought you in here, a college brought you in. And friends, however we got here, I just want you to know we've been waiting on you. We've been looking for you and you are so welcome. Uh, you know, lots of you started coming during our At The Movie series back in July. And friends, can we just thank all of our video and tech teams and popcorn distributors that made that amazing series possible. Let's thank God for everybody who made that extra effort. And can I just say to every Compassion Christian man, way to go. I mean, so many of you invited your friends that we had the biggest impact summer we've ever had. And if you're here and you're new today because you came back to see what's happening here, man, you could not have gotten here at a better time because this week, we're launching a series of messages that we're calling All In. We're going to talk about what it looks like and how good life can be as a follower of Jesus. Dude, when you all in, not half in, not a little bit, but all in. 
So let me ask you a couple questions about being all in. If you have a job and you showed up three or four days a week for work, do you think anybody would think you were all in? Do you think they'd pay you like you all in? Nah. If you're married and you told your spouse, baby, I love you and I am absolutely committed to you as long as you meet all my needs, don't gain any weight and make me happy every day. Would anybody in your family think you were all in? What's the answer? No. What kind, would you have the kind of marriage that somebody has who actually is all in? Nah. If you're a follower of Jesus and you drag into church one or two weeks a month, plop back in the corner of the worship center somewhere, don't participate, don't engage, don't get involved. Do you think anybody thinks you're all in? And would you have the same relationship with Jesus and his church as somebody who actually is all in. Now. But friends, I'm telling you, there is a spiritual payoff and a blessing and a joy that comes to people who just throw their heart in the ring that does not come to you until you throw your heart in the ring. So over the next four weeks, we're going to show you what it means to be all in. We're going to give you an opportunity to just throw your heart in the ring, man. Now, here's some of the things that you just got to do if you're going to be all in. And let me tell you, the reason you love this church is because so many compassionate Christians, people just like you, have done all of this and a lot more. Here, here are four values that mark followers of Jesus who are all in. Number one, they are constantly trying to reach their one. They got that one person they love that they're praying for that they hope God will use them to lead to Christ. Number two, we grow together. I mean, we're in groups, we're studying, we're asking questions, we're growing together. Number three, we make a difference. Man, we serve, we give, we love in ways that make a difference and we join the team. We suit up. Say it with me, everybody. All together, big boys, like lions. Here we go. We reach our one. Okay, I appreciate all the sissies that jumped in there. Now, let's have everybody, everybody, big boys. Y'all ready? Here we go. We reach our one. Man, we, number two, we grow together. Three, we make a difference. And number four, we join the team. Now, friends, this summer I had a conversation that I've been waiting to have for 30 years. I met a guy for coffee in Seattle that I had the privilege of leading to Jesus when he was an atheist and a science money and sex worshiping Gulf streamer. No offense to y'all at Gulf Stream, all right? Okay. <laughs> this brother was hard. I mean, he was hard, man. He was super intelligent super cynical aerospace engineer just came out of a you know horrible relational train wreck but he had a friend at compassion christian who decided that was his one and that guy invited him to come to our church and for some reason he he did i think it's because he heard there's a lot of good looking women here and let me tell you when we met we just hit it off because i love aviation he loved aviation man he was building the best airplanes in the world so we had a lot to talk about and eventually though we started talking about jesus and I told him my story. I told him how I grew up religious, but I was still far, far, far from God. And then I met Jesus and how knowing Jesus in a personal way just changed everything in my life. And man, he had a million issues with religion that he wanted to argue about. And I'm like, okay, I want to argue too. Jump, let's go, let's talk about it. And so we met many times. I mean, many, many, many times over a year. And one night we were sitting in a restaurant uh, on the south side of Savannah. And he put his faith in Jesus. 
And we prayed over that restaurant table and he asked Jesus to be the forgiver of his sins and the Lord of his life. And he gave his life to Christ that night. And we left that restaurant and went to our church back on Tibet Avenue to baptize him into Christ. It was like 1030 at night. He was from England. So he didn't fancy being baptized in front of a bunch of people. So I said, well, you don't have to be baptized in front of a bunch of people. As long as me and you and the Holy Spirit, we're good to go. Let's do it right now. He said, okay. So man, we went over to the church and I'm unlocking the door and a school bus pulls up with like 40 of our high school students on it. And they come out of that bus going, what y'all doing? I said, Steve just gave his life to Jesus. We were getting ready to baptize him. Those students mobbed that guy. I mean, they're hugging him, congratulating him. And of course he's doing the ironing board impersonation, you know, because he is not a hugger. Did I mention he's from England? You know what I'm talking about, all right? Those students gave him the warmest possible welcome to the family of God. They cheered when he was baptized into Christ. And I'm telling you, when that joker came out of the water, the look on his face was different. The look on his face was different. Next Sunday, he's standing on the front porch of the church greeting people. I walk up and go, Pastor, how the hell are you? I'm like, oh, 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 no, bro, bro, back up. I mean, he was, he is so new. I mean, we're on the heaven side of that thing now. Come on, bro. I mean, he didn't know what to talk. He didn't know what was appropriate. But, but you know what? He just threw his heart in the ring. And dude, he got on that servant team and they mentored him and sorted him out a little bit. And you know what? He made a difference. He made the church stronger. He locked into a discipleship group where he could ask all his crazy questions and get actual answers. And man, he started learning God's word. He made a commitment. He joined the team and it changed his life. And I love this guy. I love this guy. Now, I tell you this story because July last month was 30 years after I baptized this guy into Christ. He left the aerospace engineering career. He became a pilot for Frontier Airlines. Loved it. Right up until he had a massive heart attack, heart problem. Uh, and then he went through this horrible, intense family problem with one of his kids then, then had some other crazy health challenges, cut one of his fingers off, woodworking. He can still fly, but he's missing a finger. Lost his medical now, can't fly anymore. Brother's taking some hits, hit, 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 hit. But man, I'm telling you, when I met him for coffee in July, I was so thrilled to see that even through all of that crisis, all of that hardship, man, his joy was firm. His love for Jesus was strong. His faith in Jesus was more solid today than ever. Amen. Dude, trials been tough but he thinks they made him stronger. 30 years later, he's still all in. Now friends, here in church world, we have a word for wholehearted, long-term, all-in faith. You know what it is? Normal. <laughs> Say it with me, everybody. Normal. Amen. Normal faith. All in, all the time. Not perfect, not pretending, but brother, all in. And let me tell you, his faith has been long and strong because... He got into a group where he could grow spiritually. And dude, he served and loved and gave in ways that made a difference. And he locked into a great church out in Seattle, you know, 25 years ago. His pastor's a buddy of mine. But it all started because some compassion Christian reached out to that one and invited him to our church and led that joker to Jesus. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus today, sins forgiven, changing by the power of the Holy Spirit, heaven on the horizon for you. Man. It's because somebody thought it was important to reach out to you and talk to you and share the good news with you so that you could embrace it just like Steve did. Now, friends, the last thing Jesus said before he returned to heaven 
was I want you to go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Let's read it all together. Big voice, come on. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. That's his last words. Man, your last words are pretty important, right? So what did Jesus say? Help me, everybody. Go where? And tell who? Everyone. Everyone. That's pretty simple when you think about it. And let me tell you, those early followers of Jesus were all in. And because the good news about, because they were, the good news about Jesus just swept across the Roman Empire in 50 years. But let me tell you, that wasn't easy. And if you've ever tried to share the good news with somebody, you know that that good seed does not always grow immediately. And that's why I want to talk with us today. By, I want to talk about why that seed doesn't always grow really fast by showing you the first story that Jesus ever told. Now, we just read his last words a moment ago. Let's look at what many New Testament scholars believe was the first story, the first parable Jesus ever told. It's found in Mark chapter 4. So if you've got your Bible with you, turn to Mark chapter 4. How many of y'all got a Bible with you? Huh? Hold it up if you got one. Download one on your phone next time so you don't get caught. Bring your Bible. Turn to Mark chapter 4. Uh, summer's over. We're back in school. Amen? Amen? Come on, bring that Bible, man. Now, we've got a blue Bible we provide for you on most of our worship centers. You can turn to page 839 and you can find this story. Uh, the notes for this message are on the app. Open that up and you can take notes if you want to. Mark is believed to be the first guy who wrote a gospel. And you know, the gospels were chronological narratives of the ministry of Jesus. And this is the first parable, apparently, that Jesus ever told. Now, a parable is a practical story that delivers a life-changing spiritual principle. If you can figure it out and apply it to your life. And they weren't always easy to figure out, which is why sometimes Jesus had to explain them. And that's what he's doing here in Mark chapter four, verse three. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, now that's just the, uh, the way farmers would broadcast seed across the property uh, back before John Deere tractors, all right? And he was scattering that seed and some fell along the path and the birds came and just ate it up. Now, this verse introduces the most important part of the story because it's the part that changes. There's a certain kind of soil that the seed could not penetrate. The nature of the soil is the point that Jesus is trying to make. The seed never changes. The seed is perfect. The soil is the problem. Where it lands is the problem. And we need to see this too. This seed is so good that this farmer is hoping it will grow everywhere. You remember what Jesus said? I want you to tell everybody everywhere. And sometimes, man, you know, we meet people and we're tempted to think, oh, man, that guy is so hard. He's so wild. She's so selfish. They'd never be interested in the gospel. And I think Jesus would just say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Watch where this story goes. Because Jesus never thinks that about people. Jesus is the kind of farmer who just sows good seed on bad soil. Hoping. Hoping. It'll find a crack. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he's for all of us. He's hoping, you know, he's just giving it a chance. But in this story, you're going to see that even Jesus has to face reality. Where that seed lands makes a huge difference. He says, some fell on the path and the bird just came and ate it up. Never had a chance. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil and the seed sprang up quickly because, you know, the soil was shallow and rich and all that. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they just withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns. And man, when they grew up, they just choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. But there was this other seed 
and it fell on good soil. And man, it came up and grew and produced a crop and it multiplied 30, 60, even 100 times. Now, you know, I think verse 8 is why Jesus tells us this farmer sows in hope. Because he knows if any of that amazing seed takes, it's going to make up for all the effort that might look like was wasted. And then Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear. Now, I'm sure the disciples had some questions about this weird farmer who's apparently willing to waste 75% of the seed, sowing it in apparently unproductive places. And so when he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked him about these parables. And, and then Jesus said to them, man, don't you understand this parable? I mean, how will you understand any parable? He's saying, look, if you want to understand any parable, you've got to figure out who the characters represent. If you want to understand any movie, if you want to understand any story, this is what At the Movies was all about. You've got to understand who these characters represent and what is the one point this story is trying to make. And then Jesus just breaks it down for him. Look at verse 14. The farmer sows the word, the word of God, the gospel, the good news of salvation. And you know what? Some people hear it and they like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and just takes it away, takes away the word that was sown in them. There are people sitting in here right now just like that. Look around. You can spot them. They're sleeping. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe they play it on a phone. Or maybe they think about what they're going to eat when this thing is over. They're doing that right now. And can I just say, every one of our hearts has been this kind of soil at one time or another. Can I hear amen? amen? That's the amen of honest people right there. You know it's true. Well, now, of course, it could be my fault. I mean, maybe if I was a better communicator, they'd be tracking. But maybe it's something else. You know, some people are so skeptical. They're so proud. They're so distracted. Their heart is so hard towards spiritual things. But I mean, the gospel just bounces off. Doesn't make a dent. Jesus says others are like seeds sown on rocky places, man. They hear the word and at once, man, they just receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time and then trouble comes or persecution comes because of the word, because of what they believe. And they quickly fall away. And don't you know people like this? I tried church. I grew up religious. But for some reason, they got disappointed and quit, usually, because they never locked in. Did you hear about the little boy who fell out of bed in the middle of the night, hit his head, started squalling? Man, his mama comes in. What in the world happened? I fell out of the bed. How'd you do that? He said, I stayed too close to where I got in. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's what this shallow heart is like. They never get involved in a discipleship group where they can ask their questions and deal with their doubts. And they never join a ministry team. They never make godly friends. They never learn to be generous. So, you know, they feel like a player in what God is doing in the world. They make a difference. They never lock in. So they never grow at all. We, we all know people who say they're Christians like this. And then they get cancer or they come to the end of their life and they're scared to death. You know why? Because they never got all in. And you hear them say stuff like, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But you know what that attitude produces? Spiritual cowards. Cowards. You know why? Because they don't know God's word. They don't understand. They don't take the time to learn it. They don't know the promises of God's word. And so they never develop spiritual confidence. They may be arrogant, but they don't have any spiritual confidence. And they never get all in, you know. So they live and they die without the benefit of the wisdom of God's word. They never practice these values and they never make a difference. They rob themselves. Rob themselves. It's sad. 
Jesus said, still others are like seeds sown among, uh, among the thorns. You know, they hear the word, but man, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and just choke the word out. And it never bears any fruit in their lives. You know people like this? They're chameleons. They look one way at church. As soon as they get in the marketplace, as soon as they get out in the culture, as soon as they get out of the whatever, they look just like the world. And that dualism makes their faith unfruitful, sterile. Doesn't make any difference. But then Jesus says, others are like seeds sown on good soil. Man, they hear the word and they accept it. And they produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times. You know what 100 times is? That's 10,000% interest. And you know, in my ministry, I have invested so much time and I have sown so much seed that has fallen on rocky soil and shallow soil and toxic soil that when I think about it, I don't get excited. But you know something? I don't get depressed either. Because when you share the gospel with somebody like my buddy Steve, whose mind opens up, that's not shut, locked by pride or choked out by misunderstanding. And man, they actually think through the evidence for Jesus. They see the value of that seed. I'm telling you the difference that he can make in their life is amazing. And bro, when they get all in like my buddy Steve did, <laughs> it's life-changing. This is why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. It brings salvation to everyone who believes. Man, I'm telling you, the gospel has power. So just keep on sharing it. Don't, don't get put off by how people respond or what kind of soil the, the gospel lands on this time. Just keep sharing it. It will find a way to grow. Maybe not everywhere, maybe not every time. But dude, it'll grow somewhere and it'll grow sometime. And someday when you're standing by that baptistry, you know, so you can encourage your one who heard the gospel for the first time from you, got an invitation for the first time from you, you'll be glad you didn't judge the soil. You just sowed the seed and left the judging up to God. Amen? Amen? Now, in the time that remains, I want to try to equip you to be an effective seed sower. I want to equip you to reach someone for Christ. Now, let me share with you three simple steps that you need to take to get that life-changing seed of the word into the hearts of people in your little circle of relationships. I mean, people who are dying without it. So let me train you. Let me train you up. First of all, if you want to share the good news with your one, you've got to connect with people. Everybody say connect. The first thing the farmer does in Jesus' story is he walks out where the fields are. He walks out where the opportunity is. He had good seed. He knew it. He just wanted to connect it where it could grow. And friend, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have seed that you can distribute. You have a story that you can tell. God has already put you in position to sow that seed every day. Man, if you're a student, man, connect with people in your class. If you're an athlete, connect with somebody on your team. If you're an artist, you know, connect with somebody who plays music with you or is on the dance team or in the theater with you. If you're a stay-at-home parent, man, connect with other people like you, with the parents you meet at school. If you have a job, man, God has strategically positioned you to sow the seed of the gospel out in the marketplace where it can make all the difference in the world. Dude, if you're a leader, leverage that. Man, I love the way some football coaches in our city invite their whole team to come and worship with them. And many times they do. And you know what's important? That we connect the way Jesus did. You remember how Jesus connected with lost people? Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you say it with me, everybody, love one another. Man, we want to be famous 
for being kind and loving and showing interest and adding value and keeping our eyes open for people that we can love and then being proactive about serving people. We want to learn from Jesus, man. He had this amazing commitment to sharing the good news, but he did it in a way that lost people love to be around him. And they love to be around him because he loved them. You know, I have a buddy with a very tender heart and he will stop and help just about anybody that he sees stopped on the side of the road. And not too long ago, he stopped to help this guy out. And when he got up to the guy, he found out the guy's car is okay, but he definitely needed some spiritual help. And man, God used my buddy to create a, a linkage to a leader in our church to hopefully get this guy over here to church so that we could help be the solution to what was breaking this man's heart. And you know what, if you wanna get all in today, I wanna to challenge you to think about the people you knew you know, and pray this prayer. Lord, give me one person I can show your love to every day. Pray it with me, y'all. Lord, give me one person I can show your love to every day. And then open your eyes. I know what some of y'all are thinking. Cam, I'm shy, man. That makes me uncomfortable. Well, I'm your pastor and I understand and I got a, a, a godly word for you. You need to get over that. You need to get over that. Amen? Amen. I mean, listen, if you have a little girl who's shy, you don't let her just capitulate to that, do you? No. I mean, a good parent is going to teach her. Girlfriend, you've got to speak up. You've got to look people in the eye. You've got to engage people. If you don't, th that fear will cripple them. Same is true in our faith. Man, if we need to toughen up so that we can show the love of Jesus to other people, let's toughen up. Let's toughen up. Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Man, if you love one another. So let's saddle up. Let's start connecting with people in love. Another way to share that good news is to share your story. Man, just share your story. Now, if you're tracking with me on this New Testament challenge, you know, our church is reading through the New Testament twice this year. Uh, we're trying to read two chapters a day, five days a week, catching up on the weekend. I'm posting the verse that hits me every day on Instagram. Love to have you join us. We're in the middle of Mark right now. Don't, don't worry about what we've already read. Just jump in. It'll be awesome. But this week, we read an amazing story. Jesus met this demon-possessed guy who was out of his mind. He had horrible mental and spiritual and emotional problems. And Jesus healed him, totally transformed this guy's life. And when he did, this guy begged him, Jesus, just let me go. Let me be your valet. Let me carry your bags. Let me go with you. Let me just serve you. I just want to say thank you. Let me serve you. And Jesus said, no, bro. What I think you need to do is stay right here in your hometown and tell everybody what I did for you. Stay right here where people know how crazy you were. You know, right here where everybody knows you're, you know, how hard you work to have a testimony. And you tell them what I did for you. And Mark says, that man went away and began. <laughs> and he began to tell them the Decapolis. You know, Deca means 10 Polish cities, the 10 cities in northern Israel. That nut who was transformed by Jesus started telling everybody how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. That's how some of your friends feel about you. They'd know why if you would tell them, amen? Because I'm telling you, Jesus tells us pretty much the same thing, which is why we believe that being all in means you are praying for someone and you are reaching out to that one. Let, let's read this verse. Jesus commissioned to us in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Big voice, come on, y'all. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, friends, one of the most powerful ways to plant the seed of the gospel in the heart of your one is to just be a witness. You don't have to be the judge. You don't have to be the defense attorney. You don't have to be the prosecutor. Just be a witness. Testify to the difference Jesus is making in your life. And I want to encourage you to prepare yourself to share that story in two minutes. Two minutes. We're going to train y'all how to do this in January. But prepare to tell your story in two minutes. Think about it like an elevator talk. You're on an elevator. You're going to the 24th floor. Somebody says, hey, I saw a Compassion Christian sticker on your truck. Why you go to that church? And then they press 23. You got two minutes, maybe. What do you say? I want to suggest that what you should say should be 20% what your life was like before you met Jesus. And then 20% how you came to know Jesus. And 60% the difference that he's made in your life. Imagine the elevator talk that demon-possessed man gave all through the Decapolis. You know, when I was a young buck, I got involved in the occult. Somebody told me the girls were hot, and they were. What they didn't tell me is it would lead me to a lifetime of slavery and addiction and mental illness and spiritual oppression, and I would make a fool out of myself and lose everything. My life was hell. And then I met Jesus. He was on this boat. And when he got out of that boat, it was like radar, man. He swept around and he locked eyes with me. And he just came right to me. It's like he knew how desperately I wanted to get well. And when I saw him coming to me, man, I went to him and I fell on my knees and I just confessed everything to him. And I asked him, Lord, please forgive my spiritual illness, my mental illness. Heal me of this. I just humbled myself before him. I knew he was my only hope. And when I told him everything about me, he accepted me. He loved me. He forgave me. He broke the power of sin in my life and led me to a life-changing relationship with his father. And ever since that time, I've tried to tell the story of what happened to me to everybody I meet. When I meet somebody who's foolish, I say, hey, he'll forgive you. He forgave me. When I meet somebody who's sick, he'll help you. He helped me. When I meet somebody who's a slave to evil, man, just confess it to him. Just tell him everything. He can make it go away. That's what he did for me. My life has changed. Two minutes. You can do that, right? Everybody say, mm-hmm. This is where the hard folks are right here, Compassion Christian. You want to go to some sissy church, you have to go somewhere else. This is where the hard people are right here, amen? We can get it done, son. So just write it out. Here's what I am a witness of. Here's what I have seen. Before Jesus, my life was like this. And then I met Jesus. And this is how my life has changed because I have a relationship with the Lord. Now, friends, if you will connect with people and love them and earn the right to share your story, people will be moved, not by how much you know, but by how much you care because you know Jesus. So first of all, we're going to connect with people. Second of all, we're going to share our story. And then number three, you invite them to the place where you are part of God's family. You invite them to the place where you are a part of God's family. Man, that's the invitation we give here every week. 
Come be a part of God's family. Ask Jesus to be your savior. Ask God to be your father. Ask the Holy Spirit to be your power. Let, let yourself become a part of his family. Drop anchor, man. Those days of drifting spiritually, that's done. Drop anchor, man. man don't, and listen, don't assume that because you think you're a nice person that you're part of God's family. You're not. That's thorny soil. You're not a follower of Jesus until you repent of your sins and acknowledge him as God and ask him to save you and then humbly declare your faith in Jesus by being baptized into him as he commanded. And dude, don't fall for that lie that you know, you've gone so far in the past that it's too late for you. That's a lie. That's hard soil. It ain't never too late. Amen? Amen. And don't make some lukewarm Christmas and Easter commitment either. That's shallow soil. Drop anchor. Get all in. Dedicate your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Declare your desire to be a part of his family. Dig in and start growing and making a difference. Now, when you walked in here today, there was a sign-up card on your seat. And if you're a member of Compassion Christian already, we want you to declare that and renew your vow to Jesus to be all in as a part of his church. Man, we're developing some new ways to take care of our family, and we need to know who's all in. And we need you to say so. Now, you know, I've had so many married couples come to me in the past and say, Cam, we've been married 25, 30 years. Our love has had to endure a lot of stuff. But because we love each other so much, we want to renew our vows as a pledge that we are all in this marriage for the next 30 years. And friends, that's what I hope every Compassion Christian will, call, will do today. Now, if you're not a member of Compassion Christian, but you're ready to get all in, I want to encourage you to check Check this box. Give us your contact information. Stand by the phone. We'll be calling. Give us your email address. We'll email you and you'll know if you ever check it. All right. And if nobody calls you by next week, then the next time you're here, you go to Connecting Point and say, hey, what's the holdup? I signed up. I want to get all in. But I can tell you this. If I were you and I was ready to put my faith in Jesus, I wouldn't wait till next week. I wouldn't wait an hour. I'd come right now at the end of this service. Give me a stinking card down front. Amen? Amen. And let's get all in. Now, listen, if you're here today and you're not quite ready because you still got some questions, dude, that's great. That's awesome. That is okay. Here's what I hope you'll do. I hope you go to this bottom line and scratch out the word not and say, I am interested in becoming a member of Compassion Christian. I want to be a part of the family of God. But I got a question about this baptism thing. What's that about? Or I got a question about why y'all take, take the word so seriously. Or I got a problem. I got a question about, I got a question. I got a question. I got a question. Do y'all let Alabama fans get saved here? Yes, we do. All right. And so just whatever your question is, you know, just, just, just put it right here. And finally, friends, if you're thinking, whoa, bro, bro, the military just moved me here last week. This is my first week. You're moving too fast. I just got here. Here's what I hope you'll do. I hope you go to this bottom line. And at the end of that sentence, write at this time. I'm not interested in becoming a member of Compassion Christian Church at this time. The seed just hit me. It hadn't had time to grow yet. I'm still getting watered and cultivated. And it's still growing in me. God's working. He led you here. You're in exactly the right place. You'll know when you're ready to get moving. And listen, I hope you'll keep coming here until your heart is solid and you're ready to get all in. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Let's fill this out right now. Right now, any one of those four commitments is a good soil commitment. Any one of them. 
means that good seed is falling on good soil. And man, you're ready to do something about it or at least start thinking about it. So let's fill this out right now. Our team is going to be passing baskets to collect these cards in just a couple minutes. And so while you are neatly and legibly, I say neatly and legibly <laughs> printing your information, let me read you an email to let you know what might happen if your heart is good soil and you respond to the call of Jesus and you get all in today. This email said, Dear Cam, all in are the two words that changed my life on August 30th, 2009. That was the first day I attended Compassion Christian. My very first service, I was alone. I sat by strangers. And when we stood up and shuffled, you know, in to make room for more people at the 11 o'clock service, I didn't know a soul. I felt uneasy. I was overwhelmed by the size of the church. So I was especially thankful for the traffic attendant that was so helpful and the sweet lady at the front desk who helped me get where I needed to be. That service was about making a difference by volunteering. And you said, go all in. And that's what I did. She said, I love children. I always wanted to have more. So I started serving upstairs where the kids, uh, you know, where the kids were. And little did I know that I would meet my now husband while serving in the kids ministry. You joke about this sometimes, but it really does happen. She should be double tithing. Anybody want to say amen? That's right. She said, within a few months of being a compassion Christian, my world got rocked. Man, as a single mom, I lost my job due to a company layoffs, but the people I served with at church prayed for me. They offered encouraging words. They kept me in mind for job openings. They heard about it. She said, I received an unemployment check of $300 a week, and I started tithing because of the 90-day tithing challenge. I may have missed a few times, but I've tried to be really committed. I was finally offered a position with an apartment community on the south side of Savannah. It wasn't what I wanted, but I accepted that position, and I stayed there for four years. Little did I know God's plan. Man, working in the apartment industry, it's really frowned on to share your faith or, you know, to recommend a church, but I just shared it anyway. And I met this young lady and I spoke to her often about Compassion Christian and coming to visit and getting connected. And tonight I received a message from her. Here's what she said. Hi, I'm not sure if you remember me, but when I moved to these apartments a few years ago, you talked to me about going to Compassion and getting involved. And I was going through my files and I found a sticky note with the information that you gave me with directions to the church and how to get connected. And I didn't do a thing for two years. But now I'm living for God. I'm really excited when I hear of other people doing the same thing. And I want to let you know that it might have taken a couple years, but I finally got here. Now I'm a youth leader for Element and I hope you're doing well. I just wanted you to know that I am so thankful for your little bits of encouragement when I lived at that apartment complex. You planted a seed and God blessed. So Cam, she says, I want to thank you for sharing the words all in. Without those words, I would not have rededicated my life to Jesus. I would not be blessed to serve with some amazing volunteers or love the children from Kid Street or an Elevate, an Element, or to serve short-term mission trips or to share life with our home group or meet my amazing husband and grow my family. And most definitely, I would not have had this opportunity to share this message with you. It's pretty cool what happens when you get all in. My life is changed. Now, friends, we hear that story a lot, but never from people who are half in or barely in. This is how God changes things when you get all in. I mean, Leisha, when she came to our church, was spiritually disconnected. She was a heartbroken single mom with the weight of the world on her shoulders. And she found a life-changing relationship with Jesus and a home and a fulfilling purpose for her life when she got all in. And she found a husband who was all in. And I'm praying that many of you will take one step in that direction today. 
one step. Don't have to go all the way, but let's take one step because when you get all in or you help somebody else to, you unleash the power of God in your life. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity you've given us today. Lord, to open up your word. Father, to look at this story that Jesus told about reality. And Lord, we get to choose what kind of soil we are. We get to choose what kind of heart we have. And I pray that there are people here today who are humbling themselves this moment. And the soil of their heart is going from thorny to good. It's going from hard to good. It's going from shallow to good. And I pray, God, that this good seed has landed in that good heart. And they will make good decisions. And some of them will make them right now. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus, Lord. Amen.